Well, hey everyone, here we are at the Christian Product Expo in one of the halls behind where everything is going on. And we are doing this a little out of the box as opposed to from my studio at the office. I am here with Sam Blumenthal at the Christian Product Expo and we're gonna just have a conversation about his book, Once Upon a Time. I want you to get to know, just get a bird's eye view of how God has worked in Sam's life and how he ended up writing this book and some insight. So welcome to the podcast today. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Tell us, how did God really get a hold of you? Uh, well, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, if you know Jewish last names, Blumenthal is a very Jewish last name. There's no Blumenthal in the world who's not Jewish. Yep. Family was involved, very much involved in temple life. Most Jews these days have become more secular than religious. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how we were. Uh, my parents were, again, very involved in the Jewish community, but um, didn't really, God was not real. Uh, it's not a personal God, just there's a lot of tradition. Mm. Um, but it was definitely part of my life. I was married young, and my first wife and I had three sons, and then we were divorced after 19 years, and then was married a second time, and that was kind of how I was exposed to the gospel. My second wife was a Christian, but our relationship <laughs> became very difficult, so difficult it kind of actually brought me to my knees. That was really kind of the way in which I came to come to believe in God and the Bible and the gospel. And Jesus I was not looking for it, really. It just kind of happened that way. Wow. So, yeah. So I was 45 when that happened. That was in 2000, and actually accepted the Lord. So she was a believer. She was. And she kind of shared her faith with you? Well, or how, did, how no, did that happen? No, a whole lot. She actually even had been to seminary. She was a, gr a great teacher. Our relationship was very difficult. We, our marriage didn't survive, I'm sorry to say, but what some years later, what God eventually revealed to me was that the biggest idol in my life had always been the woman in my life, which mm. is not something I knew uh, or understood, and most people don't knew something like that. And then looking back, that really explained why all of it had been so difficult. It would have been, it was difficult anyway. Anybody mm -hmm. in a, you know, very conflict-laden, you know, marriage, it's, it's hard. But it was, for my side of it, it was particularly hard for me because, yeah, people, I mean, the, the church, and we don't talk about idolatry as much as we should. It, it's really like an addiction. It really functions that way. It's kind of your identity. You don't realize it, but it's kind of your identity. It's your self-esteem you know, to, to make it more understandable for back then for me to really feel kind of settled and secure and okay about myself as a person, especially as a man, I needed this person to affirm me. Right. And here I was in a situation where the conflict was such that that just really was not happening. So, yeah, and that, that was kind of, yeah, God, so he not only revealed it to me some years later, he delivered it to me from me from it, which is like a whole nother story. Uh, mm. But when that happened, actually, is when I started writing. And, uh, and for many years, wrote a nonfiction book, was still not published, um, it's a couple books, probably. <laughs> but that was, it was just so incredible what he revealed to me, how much it controlled me, but how much I didn't see it. And all of that, that I started writing and then 
actually to kind of take a little bit of a break from that because I needed it. I started writing short stories, which are all very, very similar. The themes are very similar, same gospel themes. Mm -hmm. Easier to write because a short story is like a parable. It's just really right. just one idea. It right. becomes more than that, but it starts with just one idea. Okay. Yeah, and I, just, and I love writing fiction. I need to get back to the other project, but that's that's really how it began. Uh, yeah, the, the, the insight God gave me and then the deliverance was just so unbelievable. I just had to start writing it down. Mm. That's how and it that, started. That is one of the best ways to process, I mean, journaling, writing. Yeah. And and then all, it seems like when you write, all of a sudden you get insight that you couldn't really put into words before you started that writing process. Yeah, for me, the deliverance came first, and it was so. And then there was further insight as time went on. Mm -hmm. But it really, it really happened. It was almost as incredible as coming to faith. I came to faith in 2000, spring of 2000. The kind of the uh, revelation and deliverance from the idolatry came like in two, the beginning of 2007. And it was to me, I mean, it's almost as significant as the other. Right. Without that insight and without that deliverance, my, my Christian life, it just it's, it would be really handicapped. Yeah. Kind of hard to describe unless you've gone through it. It's no different than a heroin addiction or something else mm -hmm. and truly being delivered from it. I mean, truly. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard to describe. You can't really understand, I think, unless you've been through it. But I think we all have idols. And that was really Absolutely. what motivated me to want to write the book is that we don't talk about it as much as we should. And the yeah. big, the bigger ones are ones you don't see because you don't want to see them right. because you really don't want to let go of them. It's really what God yep. revealed to me. He really made it very clear that I, I should have understood this. I should have seen it. I didn't want to see it. Well, the enemy wants you to think idolatry is the big golden calf and people dancing around no, and we don't, you know, the no, big wooden idols. Stuff. Oh, no, it is anything, the real deal. Yeah, anything you worship more than God. And typically, what Tim Keller said, you know, idols are good things made into ultimate things. Mm. So like a marriage is a good thing. A person right. who loves you is a good thing. Wanting that person's affirmation is a good thing. But make it into a have to have, make it into that, and then it becomes desperate. Mm. It was never meant to be that. Same success, money, possessions, influence, yep. you name it. Yep. Uh, it's all the same thing. So, so what I hear you saying um, is that that struggle in your marriage mm. that ended up falling apart. Mm -hmm. Um, because it wasn't healthy and it was and mm -hmm. it was idolatry but you didn't know it at the time yep. but God took that hard thing and brought good out of it which what was my second question is well, that he, I, yeah, I would have never come to faith if not it was like my perfect storm yeah in in that situation where so much wanting something it not happening um, but revealing to me that, that was really my greatest weakness my greatest vulnerability Kind of like my kryptonite, really. Well, and we yeah. need to know that yeah. about ourselves. If yeah. we don't understand where we have a weakness, yeah. we are like bait for Satan to just. Well, we are, and yeah. and we and we you know we worship a lot of other things in smaller ways. I mean, we know it. You know, the yeah. bigger things are harder to see. That was really why I kind of wanted to write about it because yeah. they they are harder to see. Yeah. Um, and they're de more debilitating. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your book of short stories yeah 
because was there a specific incident that happened that kind of inspired you to put together a book of short stories? Not, so, the, so what I didn't say is God used stories in my life and, and both of those two monumental moments. When I, when I came to faith, I was a psychologist for over 30 years and I knew uh, psychoanalytic, very Freudian, knew a lot about dreams and dream interpretation. And when I came to faith, just before, I actually prayed to God and asked for God to give me a dream to explain the cross to me. I, I learned a lot about the Bible, understood it all, just did not get the cross, what was necessary, why Jesus' sacrifice was necessary, the blood, all of that. It was, I, I, logically, I understood it, but it didn't convict me. And I was very close to coming to Christ. And I had actually never prayed to God for anything because uh, you know, I come to believe in the Old Testament is literal. That was big. But did, he wasn't real enough to even pray to him. And one night I was so desperate because of the situation I already talked about that I just kind of cried out mm. and said, you know, I want you to give me, you say you'll, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, he talks, says, uh, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will search for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Yep. And I said, you say that. So, and I know dreams. I, I knew a lot about dreams. I had a mentor who thought that um, we speak to ourselves in dreams in a healthy way. And I realized, and he's a Jewish guy too, not a believer. I, yeah, I come to believe in God, at least the God of the Old Testament. I said, that, that's God. God. God either speaks to us in our dreams or he made our minds and hearts that way, that we'll, you know, the image bearer of our, will speak to us and, and try to help us. And so I, I prayed for a dream and too long to go into now, but God actually gave me a dream that night about the cross that kind of, uh, and, and really it was about, it was a, a, a conviction about sin. What I really didn't get, and I think what most lost people don't get, don't want to get, is just that depravity is it's a very real thing. Sin's just not a problem. We're depraved. Right. We're, we're, we're helpless without the cross and without the grace of God. And so that was kind of what I didn't get. So the dream was a story in itself. The dream was connected to a movie I had just seen a couple of weeks earlier. And so that's another story. So those were stories. And then God gave me this other dream over and over again for a number of years that was how he finally interpreted how the, the revelation about the idolatry. That's how that happened. So that was through story again. And then God used other stories in my life. Like a lot of this, have, you know, some of the stories from the Chronicles of Narnia God has used in our lives. He did that. Mm. Um, and so stories have always been very dear to me. And then they became even more dear to me because of how God used stories. And I just kind of think symbolically, being Freudian too, that, you know, you have people in the consulting room, you're always trying, they're saying one thing, but you're always trying to symbolically, kind of thematically understand what, what they're really saying, what's really going on below the surface. So I've loved stories. So I, yeah, I, you know, I, I just wanted to start creating some of my own, but they have the same themes. So, you know, if heard the Gospel Coalition as a group mm -hmm. of people. Actually, Tim Keller was one of those. And they talk a lot about the Gospel being like four chapters. It's creation, it's fall, it's redemption. That God's always worked his redemptive purposes, but it really happened when Christ came for real. And then uh, restoration and kind of the end of times or whatever. And it's so the stories all kind of flow that way. That it's it's critical to know, you know, who we are as image bearers. That's really yeah. the core of who yeah. we are. Yeah. Our identity is God's love for us, and we don't need anything else. 
And in the fall, ever since the fall, we kind of believe we need other things. Right. And we worship these other things instead of God. And so the struggle there and the struggle with self and self-love and all that crazy stuff. Um, but then how God redemptively tries, he's always wanting to help us. It's, right. I think when he finally helped us, uh, I've come to believe we just kind of finally open our hands and let it happen. Yep. It's not like he's not there. He's pursuing us he, all along. Yeah. We just don't so, see him half the time. Um, and so the stories have different elements of those elements. There's some that are trying to get a conception of what the garden was like before the fall, what that might have actually been like. Mm. But it's important because it kind of gives us a sense of the core of us, who we really are, and then the fall, but then especially how God redemptively works in our lives, Restores. how that happens. I really believe stories can, fiction can teach as much as nonfiction, maybe yeah. more. Sure. It's like when we talk, you know, we go to church all the time, we hear sermons and the pastor more directly speaks to us or we read nonfiction Christian books or read the Bible and it speaks to us directly. Right. It, it, somebody speaks to us directly about something, it's easy to get defensive and be guarded. When we read a story and it's about somebody else. And we see ourselves in yeah, it. Yeah, well, you may not even be conscious that you see yourself in it. Right. Somehow it kind of gets in through a side door mm -hmm. or it just provokes us in a way. We're more open to it in some strange way. Yeah. So that's kind of how the stories came about. I love that. And I love that you're taking those four, creation, the fall, redemption, redemption and restoration, that's which right. are the two kind of aspects I love to hear when I do these podcast mm -hmm. interviews because God redeems and he restores. And I just love, he's so creative in how he does that. Well, he is. There's several stories too. Actually, one of the headings for one of them is got, I think it was people give Albert Einstein the credit for saying that coincidences are God's way of being anonymous. One of the stories, more than one, is kind of about that, but one is very strongly about that, about supposed coincidences, right? About how right. God works. Mm. Yeah. So if we have some people listening or even watching on the video today and they wanted to reach out to you on social media or mm -hmm. your website, what's the best place to do Website's that? Website's probably the best place. It's Samuel, S-A-M-U-E-L, Blumenthal.com. Contact me by email Perfect. on the website as well. Yes, and that information is down in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for being with us today well, on Project me. Redemption. It's Get to know you a little bit here at CPE this weekend. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for having me.